0: How many times have you fallen for an April Fool's prank? You're not alone. At times, evolutionary scientists and well-respected publications have been embarrassed by some of their own April Fool's jokes. Stay tuned.
1: Perhaps the biggest April Fool's joke played in the name of evolution is Piltdown man.
0: This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Proverbs 19.3 says, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. For many years, evolutionists have been looking for fossils that show one type of creature evolving into another. These kinds of fossils are referred to as transitional forms. Although no transitional forms have ever been found, complete hoaxes have been conjured up, which fool the evolutionary world. Join us for the next 15 minutes as we consider... April Fool's Day evolutionary style. We'll also discuss how you can avoid being fooled by quote-unquote new evolutionary discoveries. Evolutionary scientists desperately want to find an ape-to-human transitional fossil in order to prove human evolution. But do some want this evidence so badly that they'd be fooled by a fake? ICR biologist Dr. Gary Parker tells of a famous ape-man fossil hoax in England that deceived the conventional scientific community.
1: Perhaps the uh, biggest April Fool's joke played in the name of evolution is popularly known as Piltdown Man. We now realize that Piltdown Man started as a deliberate hoax, as a trick, as a prank. Now, apparently in an attempt to embarrass one of the evolutionists, the perpetrator of the Piltdown hoax buried a human cranium and part of an ape jaw, and an orang jaw, and filed the teeth marks down, filed off the parts of the bone that especially distinguish ape from human being and stained them to make the bones look older.
0: But this trick backfired on the prankster.
1: When the scientist proclaimed that, you know, this was a fabulous missing link, he would then show that April Fools, you know, was just a joke. But all the scientists bought into it <laughs> and so he was too embarrassed to admit that he'd pulled the prank, and so it was a prank that fooled the evolutionary community. And they used it to fool the world for over 40 years. And yet, when they finally got around to examining the specimen in more detail, one of the scientists said the file marks on the teeth sprang immediately to the eye. It wasn't a particularly clever
2: hoax.
0: It's even more difficult to understand why any scientist would fall for this trick when we discover what else was thrown in with the modified jawbone and skull.
1: The bones that were buried with it to make it look like a fossil discovery had been brought in from Africa. They weren't fossils found in that particular area. Some of the fossils had actually been shaped, handcrafted one of them to look like a little uh, English cricket bat.
0: Sadly, evolutionary scientists were not the only ones affected by this mistake.
1: Unfortunately, there's an April Fool's joke that backfired on the whole of Western civilization. It was uh, reported in 1912 wasn't proven to be a hoax, until the 1950s, for over 40 years, a message in the textbooks was something like this. You can believe in creation if you want to, but the facts are all on the side of evolution. Well, the facts in this case turned out to be a little bit of ape jaw and human skull stained to make them look older.
0: The Piltdown incident was not the only time bones were altered to make them appear differently. Dr. Parker introduces us to the famous Lucy fossil.
1: Donald Johansson and his team found the, the bones that came to be called Lucy back in 1974, didn't even let any other evolutionists look at it for seven years. It's not really science till other scientists have had a chance to look at the evidence and confirm or refute the claim the first scientist made. And his claim that Lucy walked upright was disputed on the knee anatomy by a very famous scientist, but the pelvic bone. Every time I saw a picture of a pelvic bone, the pelvic bone always looked different. And it wasn't just photographic angle.
0: Several years later, Dr. Parker found out why the pictures of the pelvic bone on that fossil had changed.
1: I was on a creation speaking trip in New Zealand. And Johansson put out a television program about Lucy's discovery and so on and so forth. And when he gets to the pelvic bone, much to my surprise as I'm watching this program, He finally says, you know, many, many, many years after his claim that Lucy walked upright, that the pelvic bone never really fit with the idea that Lucy walked upright. He said, we saw the problem. The bones of the pelvis fit together too perfectly. And, of course, normally that's a scientist's dream. To find the bones fitting together perfectly, you don't have to guess what the bone looked like. You can see what the bone looked like. But in this case, it didn't agree with his evolutionary view. (laughs) And so he actually shipped off a model of the pelvis to a scientist, an evolutionist, I should say, in America, (laughs) who sawed it up into pieces, this couldn't possibly be a way a scientist would do this, glued it back together and said, now it walks upright. And I thought, wow, how can they do
0: that? So-called ape-to-human fossils are not the only ones used to play April Fool's pranks. One alleged dinosaur-to-bird fossil not only embarrassed some conventional scientists, but also a well-known and well-respected publication. Creation speaker Dr. Tom Hoyle of Bible and Science Ministries explains.
2: The Archaeoraptor made its big appearance in the November 1999 issue of National Geographic magazine. They had a 10-page gorgeous feature article, which of course is the National Geographic style, and this one concerned feathered dinosaurs. The very first and primary star in this article was the Archaeoraptor. Uh, The Archaeoraptor fossil eventually would be purchased for $80,000 at a gem and mineral show in 1999. And it was a very proud display by Steve Zerkus and his wife at a uh, Utah dinosaur museum. Well, in the November issue, they have these gorgeous pictures of a reconstruction of the Archaeoraptor, along with a uh, X-ray CT scan of the Archaeoraptor. And in the article, they state by Steve Zerkus that it's a missing link between terrestrial dinosaurs and birds that could actually fly.
0: Dr. Parker.
2: The title on the cover of National Geographic read, Feathers for T-Rex.
1: And so here it was, you know, and they had pictures of little baby T-Rex with down feathers and other kinds of feathers and close-ups of the feathers. And in perhaps three months, 100,000 young people went through the displays of this creature, you know, in Washington, D.C.
0: But was it really a dinosaur-to-bird transitional fossil? Well, many people believed it was. However, one evolutionary scientist wasn't fooled.
1: Stores Olson, a bird expert at the Smithsonian, was well aware of the shoddy nature of the evidence and the way it was obtained and wrote a scathing indictment. Of National Geographic. It's not too often you see those two powerhouses <laughs> going at it, but in an open letter in the Smithsonian, Storrs Olson, an evolutionist, you know, accused National Geographic of sensationalistic, unsubstantiated tabloid journalism. <laughs> and sure enough, the uh, Chinese scientist, in quotes, I guess, that smuggled the specimen out. Finally had to admit, in just a little teeny letter to National Geographic, whoops, made a mistake.
0: So if Archeoraptor wasn't really a feathered dinosaur, what was it?
1: As they were hunting in the area, of course the locals, the farmers and so on in the area are anxious to get involved. and Many of them you know, collected fossils as a hobby. And What are you looking for? Well, something kind of reptile-like and bird-like. Well, apparently one man said, I can do that. He had fossils of birds, he had fossils of reptiles, so we just put them together. The colors of the rock didn't match. They were obviously different specimens. But nobody noticed that obvious thing until this awful April Fool's joke was played upon America and upon eyewitnesses, 100,000 young people directly. And yet an adequate retraction of that has never really been published as of this talk. And so often, uh, April Fool's jokes turn into really bad pranks that leave a sour taste for many years to come.
0: We've been discussing past scientific April Fool's jokes. But what about today? Well, it seems that secular scientists are constantly coming up with new ideas that they say are evidence for evolution. ICR President Dr. John Morris gives an example of one recent discovery.
3: Some scientists in Germany were studying some evidence of a supernova that they found in the deep ocean. And they said this tells us something about how humans started to walk. Now, what can stardust at the bottom of the ocean tell us about humans evolving from apes? Well, the evolutionist story was that this supernova, which occurred some three million years ago, they say, then caused environmental changes here on Earth. It warmed the Earth's temperatures, and this caused the forest in Africa to retreat and the savanna to grow. And that caused the humans to drop out of the trees and begin to walk around in the savanna. Cut me some slack. Is this story based on the evidence?
0: Dr. Morris also cautions about another current evolutionary claim, that of past life on Mars.
3: Another good example of evolutionists overstepping the evidence, it's real current, you know, with the Mars landers. They're up there looking for any hint of, of water, and any time they find a grain of sand that looks like it's been water-rounded or, or just anything, I mean, there's this great celebration, oh, there must have been water on Mars. Well, you know, there's no big deal to have water on Mars. Water is not that complicated a molecule, and and water, you know, can be most anywhere. But they're thinking that if there's water, there's life. But it's not really that way. Just because there's water doesn't mean that you have life.
0: Matthew 10.16 tells us to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. So what can you do to keep from being fooled by inadequate evolutionary evidence? Dr. Hoyle says to consider the history of evolutionary claims.
2: When I talk to especially young people, I tell them that you know, I've been studying this for 30 years now, and it's been my experience that every single time a spectacular discovery has been made that supposedly proves evolution, just wait, just wait. Within a few weeks or months or you know, a few cases, a few years, sooner or later, that missing link is going to bite the dust and there's a long list of so-called evolutionary proofs that have bitten the dust.
0: Dr. Morris.
2: We need
3: to always ask two questions, Like, like, what do you mean by that? And then the second question we want to ask is, how do you know that's true? On what evidence do you base this conclusion? Evolutionists like to tell stories, but they often tell stories without the evidence.
0: Dr. Parker agrees and says science must stand the test of God's Word. New things
1: that come up, can be judged according to whether or not they fit with what God has really told us. The things that we can be truly confident about are those things that agree with God's world, studied by scientists checking on one another and agreeing with what we read in God's Word.
0: Dr. Parker adds that there's nothing like knowing the truth that comes from God.
1: And at one point in my life, I realized if I wanted to know what was truly true, what would last forever and ever and ever. I had to take God at his word and it's God's word that really lifts us above the limits of our own uh, inability to see beyond uh, just the presence and lifts us into the presence of our eternal Lord. And as exciting as science is, it's even more exciting to have a personal relationship with the one who made it all the author of life and the one that can give us new life rich and abundant now and forevermore.
0: As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted both historically and scientifically and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR? The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org